This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast, the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. Reflection on the 2023-2024 duck season, frustration, disappointment, but yet optimism, plus a preview of the corn episode and your final 2024 duck migration forecast. All that and more on this week's episode of the Foul Weather Podcast. We thank our every week listeners, you know who you are. Those that never miss a single migration forecast episode each Monday morning. Y'all are as ate up as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. You know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they're at. Yeah, think about that. You know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they are at. Our dedicated weekly listeners can pick the best days to hunt because the foul weather podcast forecasts fresh ducks hot from the north. Shoot the ducks from the north? before they know where they're at. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office in Jack's Reef. Yeah, the yellow labs are curled up on the couch, the wood stove's roaring, and hot gumbo's on the stove, right? Man, what else could a duck hunter want at the end of the season? Right now at the home office, we're hoping for safe ice to form again so we can get back out um, with the ice hut and, you know, chase some perch and and walleye locally. We're also looking forward to turkey season that for us runs uh, the month of May. You know, like like many, we've we've been in a bad place lately with declining turkey abundance. But the last two years, we had warm and dry conditions for nesting, which has really led to a good hatch and higher than normal uh, poult survival. You may have recently seen results of a paper entitled Robust Assessment of Associations Between Weather and Eastern Wild Turkey Nest Success, where they assessed how weather influenced uh, turkey daily survival, daily nest survival, sorry, using eight years of data collected from 715 nests across the southeastern United States. And what they found uh, was counter to prior work in the Northeast U.S. that had showed that nest success was related to temperature and precipitation. What I really don't like about the title of this paper is they had to throw the term robust in there, like uh, Bill Porter's work in the Northeast U.S. And Bill Porter was kind of a legend in in the deer turkey world that Bill Porter's stuff, um, you know, wasn't somehow robust, right? So the typical work has shown that, you know, colder temperatures and more precipitation were associated with declining nest success. And this is also typically associated with pulp mortality, just like in waterfowl during the kind of first two weeks, because these young chicks and, and ducklings in the, in the waterfowl case, they just can't thermoregulate as well. They got a lot of down yet, you know, downy feathers, and they simply just die of exposure. You know, okay, so the press release on this new research from the Southeast U.S. uh, notes that, you know, we've turned science on its head. I I love when when that that specific turkey lab does something regionally and then acts like it's a universal truth. 
kind of like the idea that, you know, uh, we're hunting turkeys too much in the spring, and that's the reason for the decline in turkeys is that we're disturbing the mating process too much. I think that's largely laughable. Right, that certainly can happen in some places. I've turkey hunted all over, uh, kind of from the prairies back to the to the northeast, all the way up to Maine, Ontario, geez, Missouri, Mississippi, Oklahoma, etc. Right, so I've seen some pretty heavy pressure in some places. But just like we can overshoot local mallards, we can certainly have some effect on turkeys and turkey mating processes. But at the larger scale, this, this, these types of patterns t- just typically don't hold true, right? You know, for turkeys, there are plenty of places with low pressure that have also seen substantial decline. So acting like this is the universal thing that's like the demise of turkeys. Again, I mean, it's, it's a little of an inflammatory kind of a comment, but I think it's, it's pretty laughable, right? Uh, we have our own thoughts on why turkeys are declining in so many places, but it's really a discussion for another day on the Fall Weather Podcast. But hint, it can have to do with weather, but, you know, but not always. So this is going to be the last forecast for the 2023-2024 duck season, but we're going to continue to produce engaging, you know, entertaining, informative episodes throughout the year. February through April, April, we wrap up uh, kind of the previous season, highlight the trends we saw. We also provide an abundance of wetland management techniques and kind of a wetland management uh, workshop series. May, we are into episodes about breeding ground conditions and development of food plots, uh, tools for development of food plots. August and September, we discuss BPOP results and start to look towards our long-range migration forecasts. By October, we're back into the weekly migration forecasts and other important duck migration and you know duck population science information. The Fowl Weather Podcast is really in, you know it's an all-year listening experience, so you know hang with us. We also are going to cover a bunch of topics of interest to turkey and deer hunters that pertain to weather influences on populations. Uh, food plots and hunting success so stay tuned my friends just because duck season's over doesn't mean the file weather podcast goes away we're gonna crush it throughout the year our aim is to produce at least 40 plus episodes every single year so thanks for being with us so today while we record uh this is sunday the 28th we're recording this the 2023-24 duck season isn't completely over for everyone, right? The season for many runs until the 31st, and then there's youth days and veterans hunt still to come. But for the mo- uh, thank you, veterans, by the way, really appreciate uh, everything you've done, and r- really happy that we have a Veterans Day hunt. We just had it last Saturday, uh, last weekend in uh, near the home office in Jack's Reef, and by the sounds of it, folks did did really really well that cold shot that came in really helped concentrate birds and it sounds like most people had success so uh, kudos to the veterans and thanks for everything um, that you've done for our country right but but for most of us the season has concluded Uh, if you're like me it's going to take some time to pack away all the gear give the gun a complete kind of clean down so it's ready for next season or maybe even snows if you if you chase white geese throughout spring And it's kind of time, though, to start to reflect on the season. Because our season's been over for some time in Jack's Reef, and the Fowl Weather Podcast team has their finger on the pulse of duck migration and duck hunter success, or or lack thereof. We're going to take some time this week to reflect on what many have described as the worst season they can remember. 
We really want to start this episode with some of our feelings about the 2023-24 duck season, go into why duck hunting has been so good for so many for so long over the years now, provide some outlook um, that provides some optimism to folks, get into some kind of late winter wetland management know-how, and end with a bit of a teaser for our uh, episode next week that we dubbed the corn episode that will describe our current state of knowledge about how corn and other agricultural practices affect ducks and duck migration. For many of the newer duck hunters on here that are weekly listeners of the Foul Weather Podcast, right, you can't remember anything but a 60-day season and six ducks per day. And there's a very specific reason for this, right? That that this has been the, the, the very successful recent past. First and foremost, waterfowl and wetland scientists have been hard at work to make duck habitat from the breeding grounds all the way south and back. So when you hear complaints about people holding ducks north because there's too much habitat, and we hear a lot of this rhetoric, we heard a lot of it this year, We definitely heard a lot of it as we hit Christmas and New Year's, and ducks just had not shown up in the South yet, right? But please remember that more habitat through things like the USDA Wetland Reserve Program and easements has been put on the ground in southern portions of the MAV than just about anywhere else in the country, right? So the aim is to ensure no matter where the weather pushes or does not push ducks, that they have places for them to eat and feed and rest, The maximum population of ducks is derived from having abundant and quality wetlands on the breeding grounds, wintering grounds, and pretty much everywhere in between. If weather doesn't get severe enough to push them south, yeah, they stay at these kind of mid-latitudes and, I don't know, this year, northern latitudes. But don't blame duck biologists and wetland conservationists for making habitat across the range of ducks so that you can stay in a 60-day and six-duck season, right? Six-duck-per-day season for much of your life. That's what it takes, right, to sustain duck populations is habitat from the breeding grounds to the wintering grounds and back. So we should be thankful that we've actually put a lot of these wetland acres back. We've restored them, and people... Uh, across the range of ducks from the Pacific Flyway to the Atlantic Flyway in the U.S. and all the way back to Canada and into the boreal um, and into the Arctic are working really hard to ensure that wherever a duck wants to travel, it's finding food, it's finding nesting cover, it's finding water. Second, another reason you're in these kind of liberal seasons, and this was noted on episode 13, Ducks Run Guns, as well as the Foul Weather Podcast, episode 22, Where Are the Ducks, part two, not fake news, separating feelings from facts. In these episodes, we detail how waterfall scientists have continually learned that largely shooting of ducks does not run duck populations. But when habitat produces more ducks, guess what? We shoot more ducks. So will we stay in a liberal season with a drying prairie, loss of grasslands, you know, and a declining duck population? Hmm, well, time will tell. But for sure, duck scientists who, by the way, are also duck hunters themselves, those duck scientists are really on top of this. The North American Duck Symposium kicks off next Monday, and I'm going to be very interested to hear what we've learned recently, right? There are some super sharp cats working on this stuff for y'all. Have faith in that process, I'd say, right? All right, there's going to be some doubters out there, but I work with these folks all the time. Uh, They work really hard at this, 
And are they always right? I'm never going to say yes, right? But there's a bunch of super sharp cats working on this stuff for y'all right now. And I'd say you're in good hands. And I don't think the sky is falling regarding duck populations. So we'd like to share our feelings about the 2023-24 duck season with y'all today. It was a tough season for, for many, for sure. So I think mostly a lot of us are feeling frustrated. We think about duck season all year. We work on our boats, our gear, our guns. Many have leased or own properties that we also work to manage. And, you know, maybe you don't have a private place to hunt, but you cyber scout like crazy, maybe even hiked or boated into some places after finding them on a map. You know, you built and dressed up blinds. You got new friends into the, into the duck hunting culture. And then, you know, well, then nothing. The, the, ducks, the ducks never showed up. That is frustrating, and I think many of us feel this way, um, you know, but remember, every year is different. Of course, you know, if you followed the Foul Weather podcast, you know that the weather had a lot to do with the lack of ducks, you know, moving locally and into southern latitudes this year. We also have relatively low duck population right now to, to date, and, and, you know, and the prairies remain relatively snow-free, you know, or at least there's not much snowpack in most places, so... I also think many of us are feeling worried. Um, I know I am. Of course, we only derive a portion of our ducks from the mid-continent at the home office in Jack's Reef. But I'm kind of worried for you all because, you know, I genuinely love duck hunting culture and, and, and all the people involved. So I want everyone to have success in the blind. I'm worried about, you know, continued policies that do not prioritize protection of wetlands and grasslands that are needed by ducks. Maybe folks aren't aware, but the current Clean Water Act policy, you know, along with ag policy in many locations is, is not really duck friendly. I'm not sure if people are aware, but in a recent case of Sackett versus the EPA, um, isolated wetlands are, are no longer protected under the Clean Water Act. So what's protected are only contiguous lakes, streams, rivers, and their associated wetlands. So... Um, this is kind of like the navigable waterways interpretation. So this basically makes the entire prairie pothole region ripe for destruction, draining, filling, paving, whatever you want, unless, you know, states step up uh, with some type of tighter restrictions than is available in the Federal Clean Water Act. Previously, the term significant nexus was used, which was able to tie many isolated wetlands to navigable water bodies by groundwater movement, right? Water on the surface alone is not how the world of water works, and there is a significant nexus between wetlands, aquifers, groundwater, and the atmosphere for that matter. So the current decision by the Supreme Court is really narrowly minded and dangerous for ducks. There is currently, there's currently kind of bills moving forward, uh, I think, in the House to try and reinstate wetland protections that will aid in sustaining ducks and those 60-day seasons in a six-bird bag. So as this develops, the Fall Weather Podcast uh, will certainly report. But currently, we are worried because drought coupled with poor policies may be a perfect storm causing catastrophic collapse of duck populations. So I think we should all be worried. We're going to finish up with the bad news before moving on to the good news. We also feel disappointed, right? Disappointed in a lot of our fellow duck hunters. You know, culturally, duck hunting has changed even from when I was young. I'm going to admit in, I'm in that camp of only hunting during 60-day seasons with a, with a six-duck bag, right? I started hunting in about the mid-1990s. I'm about 50 years old now this year. 
Um, but I've lived and hunted in the Dakotas, Mississippi, Missouri, Ontario, Maine, in New York, right? So no, that this is not that just that I've hunted in those places. I've hunted many, many other places. Uh, these are places that I've actually been able to live and hunt, kind of submerging myself in the duck hunting culture of each location. So, right, why am I disappointed? Uh, in my opinion, duck hunting has kind of these ethical bounds, right? We got a taste of some of those thoughts on episode 17 that we put out, The Art of Sky Busting. Right. We see people asking, you know, on social media, like, what is your favorite super full choke? Um, oh, goodness. I mean, treetop shooters are, are killing timber hunting. The ducks won't even break the trees anymore, like after a day or two of being there. Right. So I really think folks need to learn to work ducks kind of into range and enjoy that process. Right. Learn to call. Um, spend time thinking like and sounding like a duck. We also need to be able to identify the species of ducks we're shooting. I see many posts asking, what type of duck is this? There is no excuse for not being able to identify your ducks even before you shoot at them, right? Not just in hand. The old timers, they can they can tell them apart from silhouettes and how they fly, right? That That's duck hunting culture, knowing your ducks, you know, what they look like, where and when they fly, what they eat and how they eat, knowing how to take them from field to pot and make a wonderful camp or home kitchen meal, right? That's 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 duck hunting. I'm disappointed that there seems to be a loss of respect for these wonderful animals, you know, all these ducks that we pursue. I think we need to step up in the off-season and learn some ethics, right, towards the ducks. We also need to start looking at our fellow duck hunters as friends and not enemies. We need to, you know, that we need to beat to the hole, right? We, we really need to start looking at our fellow duck hunters as friends, not enemies that we need to beat to the next duck hole. If you get to a spot and someone else is there, I don't know, apologize for boating up to them and then move on. Have an alternative, right? This all sounds judgmental, but I don't know. Get your shit together, folks. We have some respect for the animals you're that you're pursuing and your fellow duck hunters. Okay, so enough Debbie Downer here. I'm also really optimistic because I know there are many of you that just listened to that last portion of being disappointed. And you feel the same and you're going to mentor someone over the coming off season and into next season, right? You're going to teach them when to call and when to not. That not every duck needs a highball blown at it. Learning to let ducks go when they're over someone else's spread, right? Teach that you don't have to shoot right at opening light. Sometimes it's good to let them work a bit. Maybe it's good to let a couple thousand ducks leave a marsh before shooting because you know they're going to, you know, go out and feed and then trickle back in. Um, you know, you don't want to educate those those ducks by by blowing off shots while they're leaving the marsh. Maybe you're going to teach somebody to, you know, work them close and shoot modified chokes. Um, and that a 20 gauge could actually work to kill ducks as well as two and three quarter inch shells. Maybe you'll teach them that the biggest gun in the marsh with the largest shells also blows out a marsh. Maybe you'll teach them to give the ducks a rest when they need it. Maybe you'll teach them to say hello and thank you to others at the boat launch. What a novel idea. Right? Maybe we talk about appropriate distances to be away from another group. Maybe we stop using the term swing ducks other than, than by noting that they are the other group's ducks. Right? 
think about this, folks. If you are not, if if these ducks are not working your spread, if you're not working them, if their wing tips aren't tuned into your call or your spread, maybe 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 you give them a pass and be okay that they, the other group, work them to 20 yards and drop three out of five birds with two guns. Right? Maybe we can work on all of these key components to duck hunting culture. I will never be one to say all I want to do is be able to go duck hunting. So don't think of me as not a duck shooter, right? I think that shooting ducks is a key component of duck hunting. But in that process, in that process of duck hunting, I want it to be a clean hunt with good decoy sets, good dog work, good calling, and smacking ducks in the hole at short distances. I may come home with four ducks instead of six, but, you know, that's okay. So... You know, don't let people fool you when they say they don't need to shoot ducks to be happy. If that was true, they'd be in the duck blinds during spring spring migration, watching birds, sipping coffee, petting a wet dog, eating breakfast, and chatting with friends. But we don't see that, right? Duck hunting is still, at its roots, about shooting ducks. But we can certainly do it ethically, and I'm optimistic that we can get there. So final thought there, duck hunting is about killing ducks, but it's also about how you do it. So mentor someone, and, uh, you know, there are many, many, many good duck hunters out there. So be good to your fellow duck hunting friends, because, you know, I'm optimistic we can do this better. I'm also optimistic about duck populations. If you've been keeping track, ducks are dinosaurs. Actually, all birds are descendants of dinosaurs. Birds were around before the large non-avian dinosaurs died out millions of years ago, right? When the dinos died, it opened up a huge niche for birds to be successful. And waterfowl are among the earliest, ducks, geese, and swans are among the earliest to have taken advantage of the dino disaster. Okay, what's, what's the point? The point is that waterfowl are survivors that have adapted to millions of years of change. They will continue to be with us as long as we work to conserve the habitats on which they rely. All right, ways of helping conserve the habitats on which they rely include becoming a member of Ducks, Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, voting for those supporting conservation, and directly informing your friends and neighbors about the importance of wetlands, right? We'll cover this on an episode in February as we start to get into um, wetland, you know, our wetland management series. We'll talk about what the importance of wetlands is beyond, you know, just shooting ducks that your friends may be and, and, you know, other neighbors may be very interested in. If you own land, you can directly affect conservation and management of wetlands too, right? This brings me to, uh, you know, the team talked about this a bit. It brings us to a quick note here as we enter the end of season. Please think about holding water on your managed areas after season. The end of duck season is not the end of when ducks need habitat. They need the food resources to, you know, juice back up and start to head back north. That's the jump start to successful reproduction. Pulling water really too quickly after duck season also can lead to kind of invasive species takeovers. For instance, you know, in southern mav and southeast a plant like coffee weed kind of loves that when you rip the water off and then it just gets hot later um you know instead kind of hold the water that'll stop some of your invasive plants and maybe you know you can hold that water even into spring a bit and then slowly dewater 
when the temperatures are kind of correct for, um, you know, a diversity of plant seeds to germinate, right? We're mostly talking to our southern and, and mid-latitude friends here. We'll cover all of this more throughout spring in our wetland management episodes, but do consider holding your water a bit later, maybe even into May. I know that sounds crazy, uh, but you can still get a lot of really good germination by holding some water into May. Having, you know, a bit of water allows you to control moisture that's needed for proper plant germination. If you pull all your water off now and everything goes dry, you're probably going to end up with invasive species which take advantage of those real hot and dry conditions, right? Having some water allows you to slowly remove water and have a diversity of plants germinate in your wetland unit over time. Of course, if you, you know, if you're planting uh, domestic crops on a portion of a unit, then you may need to kind of dewater sooner. But it's it's likely not necessary to do so on the day after duck season. So leave leave some water on for a while, folks. We'll get into more detail, as I said, in that kind of wetland management series of episodes. Lastly, we really feel thankful at the Foul Weather Podcast for the listenership that we've developed. Um, you know, thanks to all of you. We are now over 20,000 downloads per month, um, and we've regularly made the Spotify and Apple Podcasts kind of like top 20, top 50 charts, right? Uh, You also are going to notice that we have auto-generated advertisements now, so thanks for tolerating these. You know, we're looking to actually afford to bring you this podcast. The podcasts are not free, and the team has put in many, many, many unpaid hours, um, bought equipment, bought subscriptions, right, to bring our forecast and, you know, other important information to you each week. Our aim in the off-season is to continue episodes, as stated earlier, with the aim of having 40-plus episodes each year. So we're also going to be sending out media kits to potential sponsors. So if you're listening and you get one, please consider supporting the Foul Weather Podcast as an advertising sponsor. It's going to be the only way we're really able to continue bringing you our entertaining and engaging content. So thanks. Okay, the corn episode teaser. Next week, we will break down the corn situation in North America as it pertains to ducks and duck hunting. We're going to break down the reality that corn is not something you can control on the landscape at the large scale, and it is not the driving factor determining if you have ducks at southern latitudes, right? We'll also cover when flooded corn is not your enemy and why flooded corn is not your enemy. Just think about it this way. In a capitalistic system where winners win, right, and losers lose, and regulations are a hindrance, why would you ask for more regulations to limit the capacity of people to put in food plots? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Isn't that all part of the free capitalistic system in this country? Isn't banning flooded corn just a slippery slope towards banning all kinds of things in hunting? And above all, we're going to highlight why flooded corn is not your enemy. We're also going to note why more corn in some places may actually be a management tool that we don't use enough. So tune in next week 
and I think will turn ideas about corn on their head. All right, so if your season goes until the last day of January and did not end on Sunday, we have your three-day forecast. But we'll admit it is pretty lame because as noted in the last episode, there really isn't going to be much new movement from the north. At this time, the ducks you will see will be kind of reshuffling probably regionally. Basically, once ducks get south of the boot heel of Missouri, they just kind of mill around following you know, water, food, and refuge. Many of you may have noted that last week you either picked up a bunch of ducks or you didn't have anything. It was kind of a crapshoot. But a lot of folks did pick up ducks. Um, But you also may have seen on social media a lot of the telemetry-marked mallards in Tennessee just hunkered down during the cold. But we also saw people shooting ducks that acted fresh and that they didn't have before. So there must be either some local movement or some movement of ducks from the north, right? During the freeze, there had to be some new ducks from the north, which we forecast a couple weeks ago. And then basically there, you know, we also forecast a reshuffling last week, um, you know, to take advantage of during that thaw, reshuffling of ducks during that thaw. One listener sent us a picture of a tailgate full of ducks from uh, eastern Texas, right, Uh, that they said they got just following some of those heavy rains, just as the foul weather, you know, podcast predicted, you know, we predicted that kind of three punch rain, three different rains coming through that hit much of the southern portion of the central Mississippi in Atlantic flyways last week and told people to either get out, you know, be safe from the lightning, but either get out or uh, or after that. And it sounds like this this fella and we did get some other photos from other people. There was a lot of success out there with with new water on the landscape and birds really trying to move around and, and take advantage of that and um, really, you know, acting like fresh ducks. I think thankfully we're, we aren't getting any more water for the last three days of season. My expectation and what I'm hearing is that ducks have, that are, you know, in the South is spread out and are in little kind of nooks and crannies, right? If you have a favor, you know, kind of like a favorite hole that you haven't been able to hit this season because it was dry, we'd expect that these last three days, you know, might be the ticket for checking out places like that. So kind of dig back in your memory of the spots that you've shot before that you haven't been able to this year and maybe maybe try to sneak out of, out of work and, and get in there. Um, we're, the Foul Weather Podcast is not responsible for you getting fired if you sneak out in the last three days. But um, actually today and tomorrow, you know, temps throughout southern reaches of the flyway, you know, may have some ducks on the wing looking for a bite. I wouldn't give up on it yet. Uh, be safe and end the season on a strong note, right? Each morning across much of the central and Mississippi flyways uh, through the last three days of a season here, if, if your season's still open, um, temperatures overnight are going to be dipping into the 30s, you know, probably enough to make ducks think about putting on their feed bags kind of for a morning flight. So good luck out there, my friends. The Foul Weather Podcast forecast fresh ducks. We look forward to having you back with us next week for the corn episode. Spread the word about the Foul Weather Podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Ducks will move. They will migrate. Follow us to find out when and where. Remember to share, follow, and rate us for free. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We also appreciate if you take the time to rate the Foul Weather Podcast, and we thank you very, very much for your support. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt.
Thanks for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. <laughs>